I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Ron Graham of the University of California, San Diego. And Ron will start off part two comparing three activities that he's very good at, doing mathematics, juggling, and being on the trampoline. Well, they all have a certain commonality. You know, as I mentioned before, they're kind of patterns. A trampoline, for example, you're juggling one object that's you. <laughs> you, you try not to drop, right? That's not so good. And they're all kind of challenging and for me, I think it's important to keep learning. In fact, they did studies uh, I read about last year where they took adults who'd never juggled and gave them a kind of three-month set of juggling exercises to learn how to juggle, and they noticed a measurable increase in brain mass in a certain part of the brain, as though your brain had to do something that it never had to do before. And uh, it's a little bit like riding a bicycle. Once you learn how to juggle three balls or four balls, You'll never forget. It's just such a different activity that uh, somehow goes into a separate part of your brain. It's interesting. They've never managed to, to teach a chimpanzee how to juggle. Chimpanzees can do lots of things, but they never quite learn how to juggle three balls. In fact, it's only been very recently that they actually taught a robot how to juggle. The famous father of information theory, Claude Shannon, built some mechanical devices that kind of simulated juggling, but they didn't really juggle. There was no feedback to try to correct a bad throw. And in juggling, every throw is a little bit off. There's no perfect throw. So you have to kind of an interesting feedback loop. In fact, typically, the standard pattern with an odd number of balls, each ball goes from one hand to the other hand, kind of crossing patterns. Whereas an even number of balls, like four or six, the easiest patterns, the typical ones, the balls stay in the same hand. So in a four-ball pattern, you have two balls in the right hand, two balls in the left hand. And what that means is that a mistake in the right-hand throw has to be corrected by the right hand when the ball comes down. Whereas for an odd number, a mistake in the right-hand throw means the left hand has to correct. So it's a different kind of brain connection. And some people are just better at the crossing patterns, and some people are better at the patterns that stay in the same hand. So maybe that indicates some kind of more subtle brain activity. I don't know that it's really been studied, actually. So I guess I should be specific. You were, you were president of the AMS, president of the MAA, and also president of the International Jugglers Association. And you uh, appeared in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Well, I'm probably the only one that did both the juggling and the AMS presidency. <laughs> Although I think five others were MAA and AMS presidents. So I'm the only living person so far. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add about the, the future of math, the direction it's going, or the future of juggling even? Well, I think it's true both in mathematics and juggling that the level of accomplishment is just amazing. I mean, people are doing things now that 20 years ago people felt were impossible. I mean, even on some of the juggling websites, seven is the new five. That is, people were doing five ball tricks of various types, like five clubs and so forth. Now, more people juggling, and you kind of get more inspiration by looking at places like YouTube. Now people are doing seven objects, and there are some people even now starting to do eight, nine, and it's just kind of amazing. Of course, commercially, you know, it's not as valuable to do seven or eight or nine because people would rather see some flaming torches or chainsaws or bowling balls and stuff like that. But still, the jugglers appreciate it among themselves, and I think mathematics has a similar feature in that what people are doing now in mathematics, I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, it seemed, you know, completely out of reach. Yeah, the Poincaré conjecture and Fermat and things of that type and the fundamental lever and the Langlands program, for example. 
But I think in 20 or 30 years, people will look back and they'll say, wow, they really couldn't do that much then, could they, compared to what we can do now, you see. So it's, that's just the nature of the game. And to be a participant in helping move it along to the next step is kind of exciting. I love it. Well, Ron, thank you very much. That's Ron Graham, who is at the University of California, San Diego. Again, Ron, thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike.